Hello, and welcome to Spectology, the science fiction book club podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Adrian. Normally, we every month we pick a book and we discuss it in two episodes, one before we've read the book, giving a little context about it, the second after we've read the book, full spoilers. But we also occasionally do other episodes on other topics, and this is one of those. So today we're going to be talking about things that we've liked recently, and we're going to go back and forth. Adrian, would you like to start? Absolutely. Yeah, this is a this is a thing we do and haven't done in a while. So for any new listeners, you know, ho- hope you get to enjoy some of our stuff. So... Three things that I like kind of in the last couple of months. They're all actually kind of personal stories. But the first one is Zelda Breath of the Wild. Because oh, I, have... see, I, I love it. I did not know what Adrian was <laughs> yeah. going to say. So <laughs> so the, the story on this is that uh, when I went up and did, um, I, I, I was kind of like on this live podcast recording <laughs> slash panel for a film festival up in Boston. I stayed at Matt's house while I was up there and I played like 20 hours of breath of the wild because <laughs> i had an just impressive like an percentage extra day. of the time you were here yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i pretty much took like a staycation like to boston to play video games <laughs> love it and um matt being like the best friend in the world like <laughs> knew how much i loved it and like bought it for me which is just crazy <laughs> him and my roommate went in went in together to you know get me a switch and breath of the wild so i have been uh, neglecting work the last few days. <laughs> um, and also just, uh, 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 you know, it was like Matt meant a whole lot to me. Thank you very Aww. much. I think it's like actually the best present I've gotten as an adult, Aww. which is, you know, uh, is what I mean, it is. You know, I thanks mean, I think to you Sam it, too, who's like in the other room. Um, and I, I'm realizing like I haven't actually done this heartfelt thing like to him either. Um, but yeah, and so but <laughs> it, t- like, it took the podcast to get it out, right? Uh, you know, I need an <laughs> audience to feel emotions. <laughs> if only that weren't close to home. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but also, it's like I mean, you know, it, the game came out what two years ago or whatever. Like everyone's already talked about how good the game is, but like. If you haven't played it, it is the best game I've ever played. It's the best game. Yeah. It's it's so big, but it's and it's so dense, it's never it never feels empty, but everything is good. There's yeah. no filler, it's all good. Totally. Yep. I've cried multiple times mm-hmm. playing it. I've only ever played cried playing one other video game, Chrono Trigger. We've actually talked yeah. about it in like, you know, a year ago or something. Uh, um, yeah. And so I, it's just been like an amazing experience. Uh, you know, appreciate you, Matt, for doing that, but also just like, okay. holy shit, appreciate everyone who like made that game. Cause they made like the best game. Yeah. It's an obvious labor of love. Um, this, the thing I like to say about it is that when I was, I don't remember what age 10 or 11 or 12 or something like that. And I was playing some other Zelda game you know, I got pen and paper and I started like drawing maps and Uh, like making up my own video game kind of on the model of the Zelda game that I was playing at the time. And it was, you know, in every respect, this Zelda Breath of the Wild is the game that I (laughs) like came up with when I was 11. That was my dream video game. Like it, it, it is better than than that. It is the That's, culmination of all video games. It's like all the good stuff from all video games 
is in Breath of the Wild. From Minecraft to Half-Life 2 to like Ocarina of Time to fucking Mario. Like all like all mm. the best stuff is in it. Mm. It's amazing. I uh, so, you know, yeah. Uh Matt, what is the first thing you've liked recently? Um well, I like many things. I don't have as cool uh <laughs> as cool i don't have it's not quite as intense an emotional experience maybe as zelda um but i uh in fact it feels like quite a come down because it's <laughs> no, a reality all, tv show <laughs> all mine are going to be strangely personal stories so just like don't you know you you do you <laughs> i'm not trying that's to fine the first the first thing i was going to mention was uh terrace house which people may have watched it's a hmm. japanese reality tv show that many seasons of which are available on netflix so it's easily accessible to an american audience um, it is, uh, occasionally described as the anti-reality show, um, which might be why I like it so much. Although, you know, I, I should really not get up on some kind of fake cultural high horse about reality TV. Cause I have watched a lot of, you know, Jersey shore and many other, <laughs> many other shows that people that. look down That's on, but really funny. <laughs> that is a fact about me. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, I don't watch, you know, a lot of it now, but this show is, has you know wormed its way into my heart in part because like i said anti-reality tv show it's um a show about it's really more like a documentary than a reality tv mm. show it's about young it's sort of real world style it's about a bunch of young people that live in a house together um for no other reason than that they like want to be on a reality tv show about people that live in a house together they tend to be between 18 and 30 although occasionally they might be different ages outside that range um so so far it's, it's like big brother yeah yeah i mean so they don't, they're not like stuck in the house they can mm. the, the thing about it is they they live their normal lives except for living in this house so they all have careers or they go to school or oh. they have part-time jobs and they just live their normal lives except that they also live in a house where there's lots of cameras stationary cameras not like yeah you know not like camera people and so very occasionally, like the camera people will set up an outing or whatever, and they'll like follow them to some external, you know, location. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is just sort of whatever they happen to film in the house. And, you know, they will occasionally bring in their various acquaintances or family members or friends who don't live in the house because like, say they go to coffee with so-and-so or so-and-so's sister or whatever. Right. And it's just sort of about their lives. Like I said, it's a Japanese reality show and it's, and you know, they said it in different cities, but unlike American reality TV shows the, you know, the people there are basically normal people. The sort of drama such as it is of the show is like pretty low key and normal. It's the kind of drama that you would expect that comes from strangers living together. Right. It's like a lo low stakes, real people drama. Yeah. Like, and, and the way they deal with it is, is like the way real people deal with shit. So for example, like say one of the housemates has an issue with another one of the housemates, like, like one thing that happens all the time is that they like have a house meeting to try to hash it out. Mm hmm. Like fucking adults, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't always I mean, like, like I've had with roommates before, yeah. especially in larger apartments. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have crazy screaming matches like they don't throw things at each other. They're like adults, you know, and like mm -hmm. they don't always succeed. And like, sometimes it takes several house meetings and sometimes the ultimate result is like somebody moves out. But the other way that it's structured is that people can move out whenever they want. And so and then as soon as somebody moves out, they are just replaced by another person, mm. a new a new roommate. It's just like a real house, basically. Right. Like it is. So, it's just a house that happens to have a bunch of cameras in yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And so um wow, that's wild. it's it's really 
it's really appealing because it's, you know, a documentary about young people trying to live together mm -hmm. and it happens and they happen to be like Japanese. And so you end up, I mean, from my perspective, my favorite thing about it is that like, you know, it's Japanese. And so I like love right. Japanese stuff. And, you know, so it's no surprise that I find that very interesting. But I think even from what I've heard, you know, it's a very popular show. So I would, I would imagine you don't have to like that to enjoy it. It's just mm -hmm. it's relaxing is what it is. It's 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 like the kind of thing you put on and you you escape from the intensity of drama of the world that you typically see in media to, you know, a more reacts, relaxing kind of media. Mm hmm. It's almost like the way TV used to be, you know, before everything got so intense all the time. Right. Right. <laughs> so I really like it. Yeah. That, that reminds me of something I'll tell you. Uh, I'll talk more off mic, uh, but The Mole was a TV show that like my family loved when I was a kid. And it was like slightly higher stakes, slightly more reality. But part of what we loved about it was like a lot of what you're talking about here. Um, That's awesome. It's just people. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I like that. It's like it's just yeah. people, and it's interesting to watch like how other yeah. people be, <laughs> especially Word. when it's like anthropological. It's like, oh, this is how Japanese yeah. people live, as well as just yeah. like how people live. Oh my god! And and of course, like what ends up happening is that like, oh oh oh, I forgot one crucial fact about it, which is that like, as is often the case in Japanese shows, a Japanese TV innovation that I actually think like is probably just going to catch on more and more in America because it already has started to is that there is an audience within the show after like a segment of watching like documentary footage of these people it will cut to the audience of like six c-list japanese celebrities and they will then discuss it on air what just happened because they were watching <laughs> so, just what you watched so it's both the reality television show and the podcast about the television yep. show in yep. the same show yep yeah you know how in you know how american tv shows will have the like after show yeah, I mean that's a yeah. the British shows in particular. There's a lot of that yeah. too. Yeah, <clears throat> Japan's been doing that for decades, and yeah. so this is not a new thing in Japan. But I think you know it started to catch on everywhere else because it's fucking fun. Like yeah, totally. It's just kibitzing with your friends, except these C-list celebrities are like really funny. Like they're legitimately right. hilarious. Like and they you know they give people nicknames and like they like name events that occur. You know, and mm -hmm. it's fucking awesome. I love it. Cool. Well, I'll speaking of kibitzing with your friends, I'll I'll move it along here because we do want to wrap up quickly, uh, both <laughs> of us. Because I have to pee. <laughs> um, so I um, so this is you know speaking of like kibitzing with your friends, but put that on hold for a second because the 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 story starts with uh, my roommate, your your friend Sam, um, our friend, uh, and I went and saw Speed Racer. The 2008, I believe, uh, Wachowski siblings oh, yeah. movie at Alamo Draft House. So in theaters, <laughs> like 35 millimeter, like actual film print being projected. Uh, yeah, we did that on Tuesday and it was fucking great. I love that movie. That's um, awesome. Super underrated. I mean, like, you know, it was a major bomb. Everyone hated it. I think it's like great. And I've loved it for a very long time. And um, part of why I knew it was happening was because someone posted to a subreddit of a podcast that I listened to. And so this podcast is the actual like thing that I like. The podcast is called Blank Check with Griffin and David. Um, it is two guys, two friends talking about movies. Um, it's 
man. the best movie podcast. Like it's really, really good. Um, and in particular, uh, the Speed Racer. So they they do mini series on directors, and they particularly like they pick blank check directors, directors who've had a blank check at some point in their career, and they like go through their entire filmography in these kind of mini series, um, which you know might have been a little bit of the inspiration for like, oh, we can do multiple bo- episodes <laughs> on a single book for me <laughs> when I was putting together this. I podcast. was trying to think of exactly what joke to make. Yeah, well, it's not a joke. <laughs> is the thing. It's <laughs> I just, just kind of, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, and but yeah, they have this one particular guest um called JD Amato, uh, who's like a showrunner for shows and he like works in the film industry. And they're um so David Sims is a film critic. Uh, Griffin Newman is an actor. He plays the the uh, Arthur on The Tick, amongst like a lot of other smaller roles. Um, the tick is also really fun. Good. Watch it. Uh, but, um, JD Amato, who's like a frequent guest of theirs, like every time he's on the episode is a like entire film studies course. Like it's, and, and the, the whole thing, I mean, the way they do it, it's very not academic is the wrong word, but it's very good. It's very in depth. Like I have learned more about how to appreciate movies because I've like watched this thing or listened to this thing and like getting to, you know, like seeing on there, like the blinky subreddit that like this, you know, movie that I've loved since before I've ever listened to blank check was like coming to New York and getting to like gobble up one of the last tickets, especially one of the last good tickets to like go watch it and like have just like a, 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 like an experience. Like the movie is, is like abstract and beautiful. And like, you know, we were talking about off Clint, the, the, like, you know, artist, the like early 20th century, you know, abstract impressionist before that was a thing artist. And it, the movie is like that. It's like so far ahead of its time and so impressionistic and so like intense. And it's just throwing images at you. Uh, and it's, I, uh, you know, and so I've only ever seen it, you know, on like my computer screen before. So to get to see it on the big screen where it's like pristine was just moi, chef kiss, like so perfect, <laughs> uh, you know, and then they, what they do is also really cool. Like I, I, the blank check podcast, really fun. You know, they have a lot of good guests. The other person on their speed racer guest is, um, Emily Yoshida, who is like a really great film critic too. Uh, they have like, you know, there are two white guys. Uh, they have a bunch of like diverse people on as guests, including a lot of like film industry people, which is really fun because you get to hear people who actually like work in films, talk about the films they like or don't like. <laughs> and it's not just like a bad movie podcast. It's very much like a critical movie podcast, which I really appreciate. So yeah, uh, you know, I like just really enjoyed that whole experience and like, you know, have been listening they're doing tim burton right now um which is kind of interesting because i've never been super into burton but there are a couple of movies of his that like have meant a lot to me so it's fun to to listen to Uh, that's one that i should really listen to more of like i love film criticism you would dig it i would really probably i mean i have i have listened to it and i do like it but i just should listen to it more because i always sort of I always sort of forget about it for some reason. I, I because I listen to a lot of podcasts um, while I'm working, and so for whatever reason, that's not like in the rotation. It's harder for even that, though I honestly. like it. So I should yeah. put it. In, I should put it in the rotation. Is what I should do. 
it is also like most episodes are at least two hours long. <laughs> like a lot of the episodes are longer than the movie it is that they're talking about. <laughs> but I like that though. Cause it's like, there's a lot to talk about. And they also, they talk about oh, not yeah. just like the film as like an object, but also how it was made, which is like the oh, stuff yeah. I really love. Um, Cause it's Be politics. It's, conscious. you know, it's like legends. It's like technical know-how. There's like so much that goes into it. So Anyway, what's what's your second thing, Matt? Oh, man. Well, mine second thing is also a podcast. Um, uh, podcasts are great people. And, and you know, it's actually <laughs> also true that like we're in a world uh, now. Concur. <laughs> lol. We're in a world now where there's like so many of them that it you, you if you are somebody who likes podcasts a lot, like, you know, it actually has reached the point where it is helpful to have people you know, aggregating them or like filtering oh, them for, for you. Oh, for sure, for sure. So I appreciate that. So this podcast is called Thunder Bay. Huh. It is by Canada Land, Canada Land. Um, and we'll put a link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, yeah, we'll link to all of this in show notes and Twitter. It is a podcast that sometimes gets labeled true crime because it is nonfiction and about many crimes. Um, but I would say really it is about a city. It is about the city of Thunder Bay in northern ontario um which is a fascinating and terrifying place um that is home to the highest murder rate and the highest hate crime rate in canada Mm. in canada sometimes called murder bay um and the podcast Mm. attempts to answer the question why is thunder bay like this and therefore also gets into the question of what is thunder bay like which is totally fascinating. It's a city of 100,000 people in northern Ontario with an enormous First Nations population, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why the hate crime rate is so high, because you've got this big First Nations population, but it's still a minority. The um, the European descent population is um, very conservative, and the politics and culture of this town is totally strange and fascinating. I mean, for one thing, it's in the middle of nowhere. The nearest city is like a six-hour drive away, and it's Duluth, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is not exactly the biggest city in the world. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the um, population of the city comes from these First Nation communities that are accessible only by plane that are incredibly isolated. So like all the First Nation communities that are like the most isolated in northern Ontario feed a lot of their children to high school in Thunder Bay. Oh, uh, yeah. And then a lot of them stay. Um, mm-hmm. So it has this really, really unique and interesting culture, and it's very much not the Canada that you might be familiar with if you're an American that goes to Toronto or Montreal sometimes. Right. Um, or just knows of like Canada's like, oh, they're like nicer us as the kind of, you know, right, stereotype. Right. If you want to learn about Canada, if you want to learn about First Nations people, and if you want to learn about a city that you might not know anything about, it's a beautifully done podcast it's driven really by like incredible journalism. The guys who put it together are amazing journalists, guys and girls. And it's really an incredible ride, you know? And it, it, mm-hmm. it also kind of explodes the nature of like a true crime podcast because it's about like, it, it talks about many crimes, but it is not a murder mystery. You know, it is not right. like, there's no gotcha. It's it's more sophisticated than that. And I, I love it. I think a lot of, it's just so good. Nice. So highly recommended. That's interesting. I'd never heard of that before. And that, you know, I, I will admit, I'm always a little bit, you know, skeptical of true crime e type podcasts. <laughs> it's not right. really I my mean, thing, there's a lot so. of it's right. It's such a big space now. And there's so many people that want to be serial. Right. This is not serial. It's not trying yeah. to be serial. 
it's not even really trying to be crime town, which I guess is the closest analog actually that I can think of. That's right. like very or shit well known. town or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it's different from that. Yeah. It, and it's 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 not. It's really confident and and made in a way that like it makes it very clear. Like they know what they want and they're doing it. And it's not probably what you Here's think. Here's the thing that I'm curious about: Are any of the hosts or producers either from that area or particularly like First Nations people themselves, or yeah, is it like yes to journalists? Both. Okay, yeah, yes good, to both. Uh, yes to good. all three. Okay. Cool. The main, that, yeah. that puts it uh, in a much better light for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> That's the thing I often yeah. don't like is it's like, oh, yeah, you know, like white guy with like a liberal arts degree thinks mm-hmm. that he can understand a town better than the people who like live there, which is always yeah. a little bit like, eh, yeah. All right, guys. It's not it's not like that. In fact, the host the host is uh, of First Nations descent and has lived in Thunder Bay, but is quick to point out that from the perspective of people who've been in Thunder Bay longer than him, he's he's an upstart. Totally. And totally. so he's like both very conscious of those issues and also like is in fact of this. He's an insider in some sense mm-hmm. and, and nonetheless conscious of the ways in which he isn't. Um, cool. And the other thing that he's conscious of that he talks about early on is how uh, making a doing journalism that pulls back the curtain on stuff that people might not want the curtain pulled back on uh, requires a lot of trust. And he really wants to uphold the trust that he has been given by a lot of the people that he talks to, especially because mm. this stuff isn't known outside of the community. You know, it's such a small, it's right. a you know, hundred thousand people is not, you know, small, small, but it's a relatively when it's isolated like that. Right. It's smaller than it sounds. Right. And people in Toronto, much less, you know, New York and Boston are not aware of this at all. No, so no. he he really wants he, he he strives, and I think he does at least from my outsider's perspective, he does a pretty good job of trying to be good about the trust he was given. Mm-hmm. Cool, that's good to hear. I mean, I, that sounds really interesting, and knowing that makes me a lot more likely to actually like give it a try, give it a listen. Yeah, it's awesome. Cool, cool. very neat. Good, all right, good, dude. Good what's one. your uh, what's another thing you like? Yeah. So my final one, I'm going to pick one particular example of like a larger genre of thing and then talk about the genre of thing a little bit. Um, So the thing I'm going to pick is this YouTube channel called One Dapper Street. It is um, (laughs) it is a men's fashion YouTube channel. Um, which stick with me. Uh, so one thing I've been trying to do recently is just like dress better. Like I'm 32 years old and never really learned how to dress nicer than like, you know, I can put on jeans and a button up and like look good, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the last year I've been trying to like, just learn how to dress nicer, how to both buy nicer things, but also do that without like spending a lot of money and also just like putting the things I do have together in a better way and understanding, you know, kind of like what does bring me joy and what doesn't bring me joy and the whole like con Marie kind of <laughs> language of things. Um, and his is, um, there's like, and so there's a lot of these kinds of like men's fashion YouTube channels. Um, and I've been like watching a lot of them and like, you know, even like some of them, I give good advice and I don't like the personalities. Some of them, I like the personalities and I don't like their advice. Some of them are like better than others, but like, you know, I kind of watch a lot of them because it's good to get a lot of different perspectives on this kind of stuff, especially when like I have kind of a weird body size and shape for like men. And so it's like actually hard to find stuff that fits me right. And so it's nice to see a lot of different people doing different things in order to like put stuff together for myself. 
Um, but one thing I've particularly liked about, I think the guy's name is Marcel Flores. He's German, I believe. Um, and he's like, a you know, he, he studied fashion at FIT, uh, and like does this full time has like YouTube channel now. And, um, one of the things I really like is that his style is not hyper masculine mm, and like, mm. you know, and he's not really super worried about like, does this look manly or not? And a mm. lot of the like YouTube channels like do in some way, which is not something I worry a lot about. I mean, part of it is like my, like I'm very broad for my like size. I'm, you know, kind of like a, I'm not like fat or anything. I'm just like, big <laughs> and like you know not that there's anything wrong with being fat or anything it's just like talking about my body shape it's like broad shoulders and like very broad in this very particular way that is actually hard to buy clothes for and hard to like you know style well um and so i kind of look masculine already <laughs> you know and so it's kind of nice to have this you know youtube channel where he is you know just focused on looking good and looking good for himself and, you know, showing other people how to look good. Um, there's a couple others that I like. One is the modest man, which is this guy who's like shorter and talks about specifically like fashion for shorter men, because it's, that's also kind of like, I'm also kind of on the shorter side and it can be hard to buy clothes that fit especially when I'm like broad, like I might be like an extra large in my chest and a small in my like height. <laughs> and so it's really fucking difficult to buy clothes. Um, and so, you know, I, I just, one of the things like one dapper street, he had a sort of like, you know, post Oscars, like best and we're stressed. And one of the things I really appreciated was he, um, you know, picked, uh, what was the guy? Billy, Billy D Williams, I think is his name, right? The, the, the guy who wore a tux dress, like a tux gown. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Okay, I know, I know uh, who Billy D. Williams is. On, right, but, right. Yes. So, so you know, the, and I just like really appreciate it. You know, there's this guy yeah. who like for his like outfit to the Oscars wore this thing that was like a tux and it was tuxedo fabric the whole way down. But on the bottom, it was a gown like his jacket turned into a gown. It was fucking That's cool. awesome. That's cool. And, you know, like to have like a, a men's fashion youtuber pick that as his like number one best dressed guy is sort of like a thing because so much of youtube is so like you know like it like the opposite of virtue sig signaling right like just being like no we're man because man 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 and like to be like no yeah. that was actually like the best piece at the whole thing it was like nice and i kind of appreciate that yeah. so i you know like shout out to that and then just generally that kind of like men's fashiony youtube thing has been like really helpful like i feel nicer that's cool <laughs> because of it so yeah anyway like i said all three of mine are like weirdly personal here but no you know, honestly i love that I, I really love that like that's a great example of something that i don't know anything about and it's like very much outside of my wheelhouse and so it's really cool to hear somebody talk about it i love hearing about things like that which are you know new to me mm-hmm dope cool so what's Love your it. what's your last i'm looking one forward here, to Matt. checking those out too yeah uh, my last one is, all again we'll link yeah. all this stuff in the description twitter blah blah yeah definitely um so my last one is is not exactly new it's from last year um but i never talked about it here um it's a musician uh named makaya hmm. mccraven and i say from last year i mean he's been around for years um he had a little bit of a breakout year last year with the record Universal Beings. A lot of people put Universal Beings on their like best of 2018 lists. Um, cool. I would put it at the top of mind. It is so good. It is one of those very, very rare albums that 
I know that I will listen to probably for the rest of my life off and on. It's a jazz record. It is a very modern jazz record, um, but not in the sense of being uh, like free jazz. Sometimes when people say modern, they mean it's like um, it's like Eric Dolphy or or, you know, or, you know, like late John Coltrane or something. But it's not it certainly has elements of that. It owes something to that tradition. But it's like it's. It's sort of like, um, you know, if the, the like simplest way to put it would be that it's like heavily influenced by hip hop and electronic music, but it's oh, definitely cool. not those things. Interesting. Um, Interesting. So I would say check out Micaiah McRaven's entire discography. They're all incredible. He like w- what's I, what's his name again? Micaiah McRaven. Micaiah McRaven. Yes, he is. Um, he has an amazing story as well. There's a lot of cool articles. I'll put an article about him in. Um, yeah. Uh, New York Times and Rolling Stone have done big articles about him, but like, you know, loads of other places, too. He is um, he has an interesting background, uh, family background, that is his um his uh his parents were both um actually i'm gonna get that wrong so (laughs) let's let's put it this way his his father is of um i don't know i'll get that wrong well we'll just put it in the show notes he has a very interesting (laughs) family background and his music is like very almost very difficult for me to even describe because i feel like you know, my command of like tiny genre names now is like not good enough, but <laughs> it's so sophisticated and intellectual. But what's what's sort of like, you know, going back to the like, you know, pitch version of it, like it's, you yeah. know, it's like X meets Y, like X meets who y? else is it like? OK, yeah, OK, yeah. OK. Um, <laughs> Your question for Nate in the last I episode. know it really it really puts me on the spot. <laughs> I guess I would say it is like. Miles Davis hanging out with the roots. Oh, well, you have sold me. <laughs> I mean, meets meets like, I mean, the, the thing the thing that's hard about it is that it contains a kind of elemental core, which I have never heard in any other musician any, anywhere ever. There's oh, something about cool. it, which is totally new to not just universal beings, that record, but his other stuff too, like highly rare or in the moment, like, he does something that at least to me is unique and new. And so it's very mm-hmm. difficult to like, so, you know, yes, it has the L it's like, you could say, okay, Miles Davis meets the roots with the dash of like, uh, uh man, I don't even know. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. But, but you know, there's a kind of a, an element of this like incredibly refined intellectualism in there you know i mean honestly it sort of reminds me of like postmodern literature <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um it's like miles davis meets the roots meets mark j daniel winsky or something <laughs> uh, but uh, that's not good enough either because he's yeah. he he does he doesn't have the problem that so much um pomo literature has where it sort of loses its um definition it like wades too deep into the realms of like loose signification and deconstructed signification and therefore loses its own sense of what it means itself or what meaning right. means and like loses he doesn't have that plot, problem like literally. he doesn't have that problem he 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 cares too much about like real shit 
Like Highly Rare, for example, is a record that came out around the time Donald Trump was elected and was recorded after the election result in a bunch of live sessions that were then spliced together in like really complicated ways to create the record. And so the record in like a huge way, the record Highly Rare is about that political moment, but it's like so much more than that. And Mm -hmm. it's about so much, so many more deeper human emotions and philosophical ideas that, that go way beyond you know, any discussion is it, of is that it instrumental moment. or yeah, is it's, 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 it's okay. a, there's occasional uh, vocal stuff. It's mostly instrumental. His work, cool. his work is mostly instrumental. Yeah. Right. And is he a multi-instrumentalist or does he, he is have percussionist. a He plays the drums. He plays a drum kit. Okay. Okay, cool. And then he has a band, I presume, who are yeah, like he plays, different people who play with him. That's right. He plays with a lot of different people. He's kind of the creative energy behind at least these totally. albums that I've been mentioning. Right. I mean, that's the way that jazz often works is my understanding is there's kind of like a band or like a person who plays one instrument really well, but also is the creative lead for like the yeah, rest. Yeah, the playmaker. It's sort of right. like basketball because it's the same size of team <laughs> often. Um, but yeah, Micaiah McRaven is an incredible musician. He's like a generational talent, like truly, at least to uh-huh. me. Um, awesome. So I'll have to listen to that because that sounds right up my alley. So that sounds that sounds really cool. Yeah. I'm I'm into all of those things that you have said. Yeah. So <laughs> individually good. and like really together sounds pretty wild. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's nice. three three things each of stuff we like. We could probably go on for a long time, oh, but we yeah. have a limited I mean, I amount of talk time. Talk. Totally. Um, so uh, that's it for us this uh, this time. Uh, right. I just want to thank um, Noah Bradley and WJ Noah Bradley for the uh, visuals and WJ for the music as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank NoahBradley.com and WJ yep. on SoundCloud. Yep. Um, links as usual in the notes and uh thank you adrian ah thank you matt things i like this this month you (laughs) no (laughs) you um and we should say we'll be back um next week with our post read of semiosis nate's gonna be back on that 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 should be a lot of fun bringing the dope noise any any like spoiler alert like you know do you want to say like like one word about the book like literally like one word it Cut that. (laughs) I don't know what you want from me. I'll say one word. My one word is plant. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Spoiler alert. (laughs) All right. Well, I will I will see. Oh no, it should have been it should have been mutualism. (laughs) See, that's what I wanted. (laughs) Mutualism. Okay. All right, water and sunshine, dude. (laughs) Food food what is it? Food and waste or something? Uh, No, no. Gifts. (laughs) Oh, go to the gift center. (laughs) Food and water. (laughs) All right. Bye. (laughs) Bye, dude.